Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, we mean all the news in the world of sports with there's what you want to start on. with. Considering, considering that it's just baseball season, there's a lot of stuff going on, isn't there? I was lost last night. There wasn't baseball on for the Phillies. I have, <laughs> I have an idea that the, the Phillies should consider. I did watch is, some summer league basketball. Because you really do. Like, if you like baseball, you don't have to, even if you don't love it, if you like it, you get into the summer, and if you don't want to watch what's going on in the world, you got baseball. I'm just used to and, putting the game on right, while I'm doing and, some work. And then and all of a sudden you flip on the station and it's not there. Yes. And you're like, what, what did I? What do I do? They were replaying a previous show, and but I was here, confused. But here's here's what they should be doing: pick one of the minor league games. The Phillies have a whole bunch of teams. Why don't they just work it out that that they'll air one of those minor league games? They should have aired Reading last night. They're bombing away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every, but it, every but time I turned around, I got an alert on my phone that Reading had hit another watch, home run. You'd watch, wouldn't you? Yeah. I yeah, mean, so your hardcore sports fan would watch it. Right. And so it's better than not losing the eyes for a night of people who are basically trained to tune in for baseball at certain times. Yeah, because because otherwise you're counting on somebody else's opinion, like ours, uh, to, to talk, <laughs> that, about, that's to talk about what what's going on at the minor leagues. And, and I will tell you, watch going to all these the stadiums and watching players – and then seeing what the experts say about the minor leagues, it's baffling to me that like the list of players they're saying are on the rise are the wrong guys. I want to talk more about that when we get to our high hopes yeah. portion of the show. I do want to start with... Um, $10 million. Yeah, so explain this to me and explain this to our listeners. What's going on, Jeff? So Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson are in talks to play a winner-take-all $10 million golf match. Would you watch? Well, it depends. And, and here's what it depends on. It depends on whether or not it's going to be a, a full round just keeping score, in which case I wouldn't watch very, very long, or whether it's skins, which is you get a point, essentially, for winning a hole. And if you don't win the hole, it carries over to the next one. So if you tie three holes in a row and then you win the next one, you get four skins. That makes it interesting all the way through. Otherwise, what happens if somebody falls behind by four strokes after a couple holes? I would probably That's just watch to see if they trash talk each other. Oh, they would. Because, I mean, Tiger already started. He, when asked uh, about playing Phil Mickelson, he said, we'll play for whatever makes him uncomfortable. Well, pl <laughs> playing together will make them feel uncomfortable. Phil, Phil and Tiger have never been the best of friends. Do you remember years ago when they had, like, those nighttime, like, yeah, they didn't shootouts. Work. And, yeah, they I mean, didn't it's kind of like that, though, isn't it? The an exhibition. Is it the money that? What is it that would attract people to this? Is it the names of Tiger and Phil, or is it the money? Both, both. If Ti if Tiger and Phil played for nothing, I, I think people would casually watch it. Well, if you see it on the weekends. If Tiger and Phil are playing a skins game, eighteen holes for. $10 million, winner take all, not like a boxing match where, you know, one guy gets two-thirds and the other guy gets a third. It's on. All right, well, $10 million is a drop in the bucket compared to what we're going to talk about with NBA free agency. So I, I want to move to that because um, this offseason has been interesting. Uh, I got my alert the on Sunday that LeBron was going to be a Laker. Goodbye, your, LeBron. Your thoughts? He's still got a shot at the Iron Pigs. <laughs> did you? 
somebody somebody posted that they're going to have him play in the summer league because it'll be his only chance at winning a championship oh. this year. But did you see in uh, I saw Darren Ravel tweet that in the 20 minutes after signing was announced, the lowest Lakers season tickets being sold on StubHub went from like $3,500 to $5,800. Fine. It's L.A. Let him have them. I'm really not as, as upset as I thought I would be that he wasn't coming here, especially on a four-year deal. I, I think that's way too long for him. I don't know if he and Ben Simmons could share the ball enough because Simmons needs to have the ball in his hands a lot, and LeBron needs to have the ball in his hand a lot. And now I'm kind of buying in. I guess we'll find out a, a tiny bit tonight, but I'm starting to buy into – Let's see how these young guys do. You're a processor now. Well, well I've kind of been a processor. You trust the process. You mentioned something before the show about your general fandom. We're going to have to do a pre-show show. Your general fandom is about sort of trusting the process because you come up watching minor league baseball. So you you like – and it's a question I have when we get to Phillies about attendance and stars, and it's a question I have here – I think Brett Brown raised the expectations by saying we're going star hunting. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden people are like, oh, there's going to be a super team here and this is going to be great. And you look at it differently, though, because you like watching a team build with young players. I think that's why you have some of the Twitter fights that you do, because you are pa- more patient with young players than some fans that want to see immediate results in bigger names. Because I enjoy the journey. So, so for me, watching the journey of, of these guys from – from nothing to stars is actually satisfying to me. I would not want to bring in a whole bunch of stars, put them all together, and win. I like this. So you this wouldn't whole take journey. that title? I'm not going to throw it away. Exactly. Yeah, but but exactly. uh, but I won't. I mean, let's be honest. Be, no, it won't be. It really won't be as satisfying. It to does me. not mean the same thing if they're not players that you have some type of relationship with. But it's a title, and yeah. you would take it. Go, but go back to the 2008 Phillies. Who, who, what big star did they bring in from outside their organization? But they made Nobody. stars. They made stars. Right. And those stars have personality. And, the, but and we're that's more to, satisfying, We're going to get to the Phillies in attendance in a few minutes right. because uh, that's a question that I have about why people aren't going to the games separate from yourself. Okay. Um, in terms Except of— I was not the only one there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I—, I Let's go through the the free agency first. Right. And so we'll do this in a little bit of an order. So what surprised you in free agency? Paul George stays in Oklahoma City. There's your surprise. Um, that all, all the all Paul George has talked about for two years now is he's going to L.A. The ridiculously small amount of the ridiculous special that he had following his journey to decide this was all talking about how he dreamed of playing the, for the Lakers. And then at the end of the day, they didn't kiss his ring enough, so he decided to go to back to Oklahoma City. So he gets a three-year max deal for $137 million. Chris Paul stays in Houston. Trevor Ariza jumps to the Suns. What surprised you in some of these? DeMarcus Cousins goes to the Warriors on a one-year deal. Granted, he's recovering from surgery, yeah. but the 18-19 Warriors will be the sixth team in NBA history and the first since 1975-76 Celtics to have five All-Stars from the previous season on their yeah. team. And and for Golden State, it's a great move because, let's face it, if he doesn't recover from this injury, it's $5 million, which to you and I is a lot of money. To an NBA team is not a lot of money. They're getting him for one year, and if he does recover... 
He'll come back slowly. He'll be there for the second half of the like year. like January, February, right. he'll come back. It, it, it'll be like getting having a big trade in the middle of the season. Yeah. So, you get the boost so of the new player that comes no back. There's no downside for them. W- what's baffling to me is that he's risking doing this for $5 million. It's probably a prove-it contract. I mean, you, you know, he wants to show he's healthy at some point and, and he wants a, wants a title yeah. and hunting for rings and people are. But but this goes to a point, again, something we discussed before we came on the air, which was. We have to stop talking before we talk. Yeah, I know. We should just ignore each other beforehand. It, it, <laughs> I do that on the show. <laughs> is, is it nobody appears to want to go play with LeBron? It, I find that. Rajon Rondo does. Lance well, Stevenson's going to blow in his ear in the exactly. locker room. Exactly. He can, he can do a pregame. JaVale McGill, McGee is there. Um, no star. Let me rephrase. No stars are, are running to go play with LeBron. You have an opinion that people do not want to play with LeBron. Because not because the he's way a bad that, guy. No, but because of the, his, the way he is on the court. Yeah, he sucks the oxygen out of the room because, because he needs the, he's not your typical wingman. Because he seems to need the ball in his hand all the time. I mean, who was the point guard for Cleveland the last couple of years? It was essentially LeBron. him. Yeah. I mean, everybody's saying Kyrie Irving wanted out. Well, from now what we're hearing today is Kyrie, Kyrie didn't ever want him exactly. back. Exactly. <laughs> but but Kyrie was a point guard, but he didn't get to take the ball up. LeBron took the ball up. So who wants to play with that unless you're a center? And even then, LeBron just drives through the middle. I'm not sure that he's go- it's not like he's a selfish guy either. It's just the way he plays. It's hard for another wing to want to play with him and now we're hearing that maybe Kawhi doesn't even want to go to play for the Lakers and be second fiddle to him. Well, I don't know what Kawhi wants. Uh I'm I'm tired of trying to figure out that riddle. Well, do you th- do you think that this is something that the Lakers or Kawhi's group is putting out there to lower what the Lakers would have to give. I think a lot of people are putting out a lot of things. I I mean, look, just even look from the trade assets, the fact that, uh, did you see that it looks like the Ball family leaked what his actual injury was so that he couldn't be included in a trade deal? That is the least surprising thing. I mean, everybody's leaking here. I I think it's a game that's being played. I've told you all along, I think Kawhi wants to go home. And that's my issue with the Sixers trading a lot of assets for him is that I think it's a one-year rental. And everybody's like, oh, he'll come here, he'll love the city, he'll play with the team. That may be. But, but then if he can you go home. If you want to go home, mm-hmm. you will go home. And But if he well, does wait, wait, that, wait, wait, then wait, you've wait, traded hold. assets that you had on the team, this team that you want to see grow. Yeah, They're not here anymore, and neither is Kawhi. Oh, I, I didn't say I wanted Kawhi at this point. Uh, I'm worried about more than whether Kawhi wants to be here for one year and trading assets for him. I'm worried about whether Kawhi is healthy. Kawhi spent a year trying to convince everyone that he was not eligible to play because of his injury. So I haven't heard any doctor or him even say, I've been cleared. Has he? It didn't make you much more confident when you heard that the personal doctor he went and saw is a Sixers doctor. Because no. <laughs> <laughs> if he's the same guy who handled Okafor 
and Embiid. I, we're, and we ben don't Simmons. know that, that that he's the guy that did it, so I'm not going to try. And, I said we don't know. Yeah, put yeah. that out there. But but if he if, is, if anybody would know about his medical history, it would be this Sixers doctor. Now you say he can't share that, nope. but they would know more about the health of Kawhi than just about anybody right now. That person with the organization. Let's look at who is with the Lakers real fast. So they got LeBron, they got Rondo, McGee, JaVale McGee, Lance Stevenson, Kyle Kuzma. Um, they renounced Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. Um, now maybe Carmelo wants to go out there. Carmelo resigns his. Carmelo wants to go wherever he can get past the first round of the playoffs. Because I, I was curious as to whether when I saw that Carmelo's being bought out, it is saying, hmm, he, if you take away the name Carmelo, he's kind of the perfect fit for this team. Because he's a wing shooter, which is what they need. The problem is then you put Carmelo's name on it and you have the history of Carmelo being a selfish player, Carmelo not being a winner. Whatever it is, Carmelo has had a long, illustrious career, but not many wins. So I don't know if I want him here, but it was something that a light bulb went off saying he does fit what they need. And your response to me was? No. Yes. (laughs) I I think there's other ways to spend your money. Mm -hmm. Um, But let let him go out there. It's fine. There is no way that Carmelo can play with LeBron. But did the Sixers raise expectations too high for this offseason? No. It's Philadelphia. So the fans raised their own expectations too high. There is nothing Brett Brown could have, should have, or did say that in any way affected a single person's expectations in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a city that is behind its teams, but sometimes overreacts. And the second we all knew that LeBron could be opting out during the season and that Kawhi might want to get traded because he wasn't getting along with Popovich, who in Philadelphia didn't immediately talk about it because every pundit in the nation was talking about it and still is, especially with Kawhi. So it's okay to think big, but I'm happy that he's not selling the farm. Remember, this is a coach, and there's a reason that teams work better when there's a separate coach and a general manager. A coach needs to worry about his job now, right? Especially Brett Brown, who's had a very long leash. Not through his own fault, but he's had a very long leash. And then you have a general manager who has to worry about now and the future. And Brett Brown appears to be acting like a responsible general manager. He doesn't seem to be afraid of making a decision, but he's not going to trade everything. And and I kind of I want to see what Zaire Smith looks like. I want to see what he plays with. I'm really curious. So you're about over this. the Mikel Bridges trade. Yeah, because you were pretty upset when they did that. You were excited. Yeah, but it was the story. Uh, let's let's face it. If if he wasn't from Villanova and his mom, that was I. Sixers, that was what I asked you at the time. It if, wouldn't have been if a big deal. He was just a generic player mm-hmm. who didn't play in the city with his mom and the organization. Would people have cared so much? Nobody would have. Nope. Not or how person. they did it in terms of having him have a press conference. Only that then. person's mother would have. So you're you're buying into the Zaire Smith hype that you're seeing of he's very athletic and is I'm that why curious. you're turning on summer, summer league tonight at seven thirty? Well, Actually, I would like to. Okay, so. For our listeners, no, you, you for, take two o'clock games. For one year now, <laughs> Mr. Cohen across the table 
has said that I have problems because I DVR summer league games. No, what will you I be said doing? You have problems, and that's one of the. What reasons. will you be doing this <laughs> evening? You will be DVRing a right. summer league game. Uh huh. I'm just gonna point that out. Okay. Maybe I'm rubbing off on you there. You're becoming just as much of a loser <laughs> as me. But okay, so no, I'm still going out on a Friday night, and then I'm taping it coming home. So you're just saying you're cooler than me. You actually stay up and watch them. <laughs> I do. What, what's your point? <laughs> but you have a young kid. So. I, I do yeah. have a young kid. You're not kid. sleeping so, anyway, so you so want to watch go, something. <laughs> right. So let's go over some of the moves, and I want you to tell me how Sixers fans should feel. First, you tell me how Jeff the Sixers fan feels, uh-huh. and then tell me how the generic Sixers fan who isn't necessarily as patient in processing as you are should yeah. feel. So uh, Ilyasova leaves for Milwaukee on a three-year deal. Bellinelli leaves Wait, for I'm the Spurs. I, I actually... For for some reason, Ilyasova plays better in Philadelphia than any place else he goes. You didn't think he was exposed a little bit in the playoffs against Ow. Boston because he just couldn't uh, move, rotate on the transitions. He's it, not as athletic for, but for a backup, tall wingman, he was really good. And I don't think they've replaced him with anybody just as good. So I, I do think that's a loss. Bellinelli was there was something exciting about him. He was an instant offense, but he was. Putrid on was defense. he worth three or twenty one million? No, to you? no. So I'm not that one. I'm okay with. Okay, Bayless will probably still be bought out. You would think. Bye bye. Hasn't been yet, but yeah. you'd think he would. They have seventeen people on the roster now. They'll need to get down to fifteen. They re-signed Redick, uh, one year, thirteen million dollars. Great deal. Good deal. Great Half deal. of what he got last yeah. year. Amir Johnson is back, one year, two million dollars. Another for two million dollars, you cannot complain. You need well, I will yeah. because you know I want Rashawn Holmes to get time instead of Amir Johnson. He's at not times. a center. That's the problem. I know, but the way that Brett does his rotations, yeah. Amir Johnson generally gets time that would go to Rashawn Holmes if Amir yeah, but Amir Johnson, Johnson the plays game. defense. Why are you bringing facts to this argument? I'm okay, sorry, I'll could stop you just let I, me? I, I will stop with about the facts. Players okay. here. All right, so they've they acquired uh, Wilson Chandler uh, for a draft pick basically and a draft pick for cash <laughs> Meh. you how you feel man i actually thought that they were going to use that as a trading chip because he's kind of got an expiring contract this year um so i i didn't think you they think were going every to keep move him. is a trading chip for, because you, have you seen you, how these teams work they oh, acquire I know. assets and, 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 and you're I mean, not the only they're one they're basically day traders at this point yeah they acquire assets and they say i can send this asset here and get this asset back mm-hmm. and then send this asset here and get this asset back what what i like about another thing about what brett brown's doing is he is acquiring assets but not assets that you don't want to keep so you now have the option of using him, and I do think he'll be okay. Again, he's just not—he's not, not going to light the world on fire. But I am very excited about the next guy because I want to hear you say his name. Tell me the asset that we got. No, from no, Minnesota. no! You got to do this. Nemanja Bajelica. Okay. How's that? There's no way that's. That's right. as close as I'm going to get to it. I'm going to have to ask. Um, you know who? So he comes from Minnesota. He spent the last three years uh, with the Timberwolves. Yeah. Look, he shot 41.5% from three-point range. He's going to come off the bench and add a little depth, which they need. And he's probably going to be very happy to be any place but, but Minnesota because well, They seem to have their own issues yeah, there. Yeah, they seem to be dysfunctional up there. Jimmy Butler seems to want out, doesn't like the attitude of Carl Anthony Towns. I would more do a Jimmy Butler trade than I would a Kawhi Leonard trade. That's just me. Um, I, I don't. I see. Jimmy Butler's a guy that needs the ball in his hands a lot too. Everybody needs the ball in their hands. No, Every no, star no, no, no. needs the ball in their hands. In I, this league, that's the way they play it. I, I, I would do that before I would do 
um, Kawhi, right. just from both a health standpoint All and right. an asset standpoint. All right, Summer League. So you'll be watching. Fultz will not play. We talked about this with Keith Fompe a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, they never put anything in the requirement that, they, that he had to, so they have no way to make him. Shake Milton, our <laughs> second-round pick. Well, can't they just ask nicely? They can, and he can tell them where to go <laughs> pound sand. Um, shake, but, shake but, but could he hit that place? It, do the Sixers have like a questionnaire when they interview players? Are you currently injured that you would sit out for the season? I, I mean, Shake Milton. They had. I, I, I have ba- so many <laughs> comments to that. I, I mean, but but all I can tell you is, or at least what I can ask you is. Are you surprised? No. Is anyone surprised I'm that the surprised Sixers it didn't drafted come out, a guy who's injured? I'm surprised it didn't come out on draft night. Is no. the only thing that surprised did me. It, did it work with Embiid? Yes, it worked with Embiid. Does it appear to have worked with Simmons? Yes, it appears to work with For At least it was not their top draft pick. Okay, So if they take a risk on Shake Milton, I'm okay with that. Yes. that that's not – to me, that w- isn't a big problem. If – if Zaire Smith all of a sudden would have come up with some magical injury that existed for the last six months, then I would have a problem with it because nobody would be patient with that. I'm going to give a shout-out to your son because we're not going to read all the players in the summer league, but he did a really <laughs> good job putting in stats about all of them. So we'll give maybe, him a sh- Maybe we'll post it on our website because yeah. we have something. We have the whole roster if you want to know what the roster is. Yeah, um, but there are some, some there, notables. There, yeah. They did update the roster actually after they put it out to note that Jonah Bolden is, is coming over. And okay, he so that was going to be my question to you. Who are the f- three or four guys you're looking to see? Tonight. Jonah Bolden, Zaire mm-hmm. Smith. Um, you know, I, I want to see what Moss looks like mm-hmm. after a year of basically getting sort of semi-pro experience. And he gets to stay in the same town for like a week. And everything I've no heard is, is Landry Shamet's looked very good, mm-hmm. and and his shot's been good. So those would be the four players that I'm looking at tonight in terms of what I'd like to see. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting uh, about the summer league. People should be looking. Not to see how many points people score. It's it's how they play because the idea is they're going to put in the same kind of offense and have them work in what their roles would be in that offense. So you, again, be patient with what you're watching because you're not they're not looking to score all the time. They're looking to set picks. They're looking to do different things where they're going to fit in their roles. Are you disappointed that there's no Michigan players on the Sixers summer league team? No, but you may have one soon. Would I? If if Crawford comes here. So tell me about that. Jamal Crawford, uh, who's ninety years old, was was asked uh, if he'd talk to the Sixers, and um, he said he'd like to. It's he is instant offense and no defense. No defense, right? And so, would you take him? Yeah, I mean, not because he went to Michigan, but because I think instant offense guys off the bench are valuable. All right, let's leave the basketball there. Let's get to some baseball. You sat out in the heat for many games. Toasty, yeah, it was toasty this past week. Uh, the Phillies are now forty-seven and thirty-seven. First time they're ten games over five hundred since two thousand eleven. They do that despite a run differential of only plus ten. No National League team at any point in the last two seasons has been this far over five hundred without with those differentials. June's been a big month. By the by, the way, not to get anybody's hopes up, um, forty-seven and thirty-seven. I think the last eighteen teams that have hit that mark have made the playoffs. Have made the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're 18 and 7 in one run games. Uh, they but now they hit the road. They play 11 games in 10 days in four cities. 
and they start just one game back from the Braves after the recent series that they've had. They went through, and I remember saying a month ago to you, this is a really tough part of the schedule. Uh-huh. How will the team do? And you said that they would do fine. I did not go back and find the tape to make you look even better. Ooh. But what are I you now. seeing right now with this team that you like well, that you fir- don't? First, first of all, the Nationals suck. I mean, they they're they, five and seventeen. They since have June 9th. so much talent, and for whatever reason, that does not translate to anything. No, Bryce Harper it, it is it is it is amazing. And by the way, how much is Bryce Harper costing himself right now? This was going to be the three hundred million dollar man, and I, I don't I don't see it. I would you want him now? I didn't want him before. And it wasn't because I don't think he's a good player. It's that I kind of would rather go in a different direction in terms of a big star. You know, if you're going to if you're going to go star hunting, I would probably go with more of a Machado. All right. Um, So so here's the biggest surprise to me with the Phillies, even though he's an error machine on uh, at the shortstop. I'd want Machado at third base. Yeah, I would, too. But he wants to play short. So, well, I want to be six feet, but I'm not going to be. So sometimes we just have to accept. No, no, no. In life. Manny Machado can. (laughs) Play short if not he demands well. it too. Not as well. Unless you get really high lifts, there's nothing you can do. So, <laughs> look at you with the high lifts. You watched Aaron Nola pitch. He's now eight and zero at home on the Fourth of July. You I'm saw telling him. you, he he's a show. I mean, he really. It's so exciting. You know, when when we saw Aaron Nola was pitching, we didn't have tickets for that game. We you, said, you went. Let's go. You told me that. And and we do not. You know, usually you go get your food when your team's on defense. When Nola's pitching, you, you don't. don't you you get your food when I was hitting. glad that which by the way they didn't have a hit. For I the was first glad five that innings. Kapler left him in the game to get through the seven innings. Yeah. Um, you know he had some challenges, but I think that's good for the team. And Kapler sort of is indicating that some of his struggles at the start he's learned from, and that it might be right from an analytics standpoint in his mind, but from a locker room standpoint, sometimes he has to make a decision that'll be better for the team. So th- in terms of growth, I like seeing that. Zach Eflin continues to pitch fantastic. He he is right now the second best pitcher on the team. Six straight right? wins, five and zero in June with a one point seven six earned run average. He's got sixty three strikeouts through eleven starts this season. Mm-hmm. He had sixty six in twenty two starts over the last two years before that. Yeah, but he's efficient with his pitches. He's using he's he's pitching now. He's not throwing, and he's healthy when he's doing it. And it, it just shows he has a command on the on the mound that he did not have before, and it comes with maturity. But I think it also comes with feeling his body out, and knowing that his knees aren't going to give out on him, and this isn't going to give out on him. And I just think that he's done an incredible job this year, and he's become indispensable. I would I wouldn't trade him for anybody right now. Uh, Phillies lead baseball and pitches seen per plate appearances at four point oh five. They also have the best walk rate at ten point three. Um, they're still not hitting well, great at times. <laughs> well, I'm guessing like three quarters of those walks are Carlos Santana. They're still not hitting. Isn't it baffling? Great. The it, guy it just walks like twice a game. Oh, uh, he's got a great eye. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's. I just the, some of the bats are coming around. Hoskins right. hitting better. Um, I'm just still not sure what to make of this team. Well, that's it. Nobody, nobody is having a career year other than Nola and Eflin. And I think that contributes to the attendance problem. Yeah. In that there are a bunch of Gritty while they're guys. while they're names, they're no names to fans. Mm-hmm. They they know the name on the front and they'll go down to root for the team, but they don't go down to root for a player. 
And that's where I asked you about star hunting with baseball. You know, you saw Machado come in this week and get standing ovation on a different team until he got booed at the end. When, right. When, but and that. But, but they but they weren't cheering for the guy's personality or anything. They're just cheering because they're, they're, they're hoping they they're can recruit him to come here. Cheering for the idea of getting a star. And so, are Phillies fans patient enough to watch these players grow, or will this continue to happen? I've you've had this this fight out on on Twitter a little bit. Um, I've watched other people have it about the team's attendance and whether the fans are sort of, you know, greedy and that they want to have it all. They want that star, but they also want the gritty underdog narrative they at the same stars. time. They want stars. They don't even want just one. No, they want I mean, stars. We we have no, when you go down to Citizens Bank Park and you look at all the the flags of the players and you go to the Wall of Fame and things like that, and we're going to be reminded. And I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but it's been ten years. So we're going to be reminded over the next couple of weeks because they're having a lot of ceremonies of of the 2008 World Series team. The amount of personalities and stars on that team is is unheard of in this town. You had Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Shane Victorino, Carlos Ruiz, Cole Hamels, you, Pat Burrell, Jason Wirth. I mean, that team was loaded with personalities and talent beyond belief. And we will never see that again. Very few cities will see that. It, it's, an ama- it's an amazing compilation that they had, and they all grew together. I'm going to let that be the last word for this segment. Stick with us when we come back. Jeff's got lots of stories to tell from out in Williamsport as we start our High Hopes Phillies Minor League Rundown. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the heart of sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the High Hopes Phillies Minor League Rundown on 610 ESPN. I'm Jason Springer here in studio with Jeff Cohen. Jeff, you had a fun journey this past weekend with your son. Once I got there, it's it's quite a distance to go out to Williamsport. Uh, it's a pretty drive. Uh, but once you get out there, Williamsport is going back in time. It really is. It's this old-fashioned town, and its its main source of notoriety comes from the Little League World Series, which is there in August. So they're starting to gear up for it there. And so the first thing we did is we went to the Little League World Series Museum, which is a really, if you go up there, it is definitely worth going to. It, it has a lot of history. It's got Babe Ruth's old uniform. It's kind of like a mini um, Hall of Fame, like a Cooperstown. Um, and it has interesting things like presidents that have played in Little League and stuff like that. Uh, the fields there are incredible. 
Um, the fields that they play Little League Baseball on there are just well manicured. But then you head over about four miles, and you get to Bowman Field. And Bowman Field is a historic, it's the second oldest minor league stadium. And it's from 1926. And they've put a lot of work into it. They've reduced the size of it. I think it used to be 4,000. Now it's a little over 2,000 people. And they have spent a lot of money on the field itself. So we walked out onto the field uh, before we were doing our interviews. And the grass is, I don't know what else, what other word to use other than dreamy. It, it's, it is absolutely. You know, for, Your poor family, you no, find no. the grass dreamy. For, for people, for, no, for people I who mow their lawns, it, it is. It makes Citizens Bank Park's lawn look not so special, and it, it, theirs is nice. I mean, and the reason is is because now they have every year a major league game there. Because what they do is they're gonna this year the Phillies are in it, and the Phillies are gonna play up there in front of two thousand kids because it'll be the kids from the Little League World Series. From so kids from all over the world that are there for to play themselves get a night out where they get to watch major leaguers. And apparently the major leaguers then go over to the Little League fields and give tips and meet all the players. So stuff we actually like about sports. Yeah, it, it's, 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 I, it's really cool to watch everything that's going on there. But if you, if you get a chance and you're close, like if you're a Penn State, if you're visiting Penn State, take the extra hour and go up to, to Williamsport. It's definitely you worth You too it. can admire the grass like Jeff. Yes. I'm not trying to, to minimize. It no, it's seemed okay. like a really good trip and... Um, we got a bunch of good interviews out of it. Um, you you talked to the Phillies' number one draft pick. Alec. I talked to the manager, and I told him how you broke his heart. Yeah, I haven't listened um, to that yet to hear how yeah. he reacted. So, and we'll be we'll be we'll be playing his interview. I think next I might week. get surprised on the air. Yeah, and not just not listen to that in advance. But you talked to the number one pick, Alec Bohm. Alec, I, yep, Alec Bohm. Bohm. So um, we got it right. And then I got to see him play uh, his first at bat. He hit a ball off the wall. Now. What's funny is is Bowman Field used to have a center field that was 450 feet. Oh my goodness! It's now 411, 410 or 411 with a really high wall, and he hit it off the middle of the wall, and my immediate thought was at Citizens Bank Park that's a that's home out. run. So the kids got power. He's not big. He's not like da- like Derek Hall. When when you met him, you went wow. He's a you know a big he, dude. like Mike Stanton esque. Uh, Alec is six five. He's about an inch taller than I am thin guy um, but clearly has room to grow and and that's something as the teams get him in mm-hmm. they'll kind of get that into the system yeah then- but, and we watched batting practice and and I will tell you that the guys that they drafted with a month ago all seem to have really nice swings they, they don't have they don't have these uppercuts they don't have a Odubel Herrera type swing they seem to have nice swings I don't know if they're going to convert to home run hitters but uh, the guy, one of the guys we interviewed, Matt Matt Veerling, has a beautiful swing, and in two weeks has propelled himself from Notre Dame baseball to uh, Williamsport to now Lakewood. He was actually promoted off the team the day after we interviewed him. Right after you did this interview. So why don't we listen to the interview, and when we come back, we'll talk a little more about it. We're here in uh, Williamsport, PA, at historic Bowman Field, and we're here with Matt Veerling. Matt, thanks for joining us. Yeah, good to be on. So, so Matt, how long have you been up in Williamsport? Um, I would say, I think uh, since the 16th, so almost two weeks now. So where were you a month ago? A month ago, 
Um, I was, what would that be, May 30th? I was at home. I was uh, with my brother training during the day and uh, just getting ready for the draft. Yeah. So what was it like to be drafted by the Philadelphia Phillies? It was unbelievable, obviously. Uh, you work your whole life to, you know, get the opportunity to play professional baseball. And, um, you know, everybody's dream is to make it to the big leagues. So this is the start of it. And um, it was a, it was an awesome, awesome moment when I got drafted. My my parents were actually working. So it was during the day. So my parents drove home immediately. And I had a couple buddies over. And my brother was home. So it was a great moment. And, um Happy to be here. How quickly did they get you after the draft down to uh, the Philly Stadium? So I think, I forget what weekday it was, but I think it might have been a, maybe a Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday, and that Friday they flew us down to, uh, they flew us up to Philly, and I got um, physicals done and x-rays and all that stuff, and then uh, that later that day, they I think it was Saturday, later that Saturday they uh, flew us down to to uh, Clearwater. So, so. Be before liftoff to go down to Clearwater, did you get to meet any of the guys from the big club? I did. I got to meet, uh, let's see, um, Arietta was the big one. I got to meet him. I got to meet uh, Kepler, the manager. And um, there were a couple other guys. Um, Dylan Cousins met him. Um, I doubt all of them remember us, but uh, but it was awesome just like being in there and seeing how they do their pregame stuff, and we were in the training room getting, you know, tested and everything. So um, it was cool just to see them warming up and getting ready for the game. So you get down to Clearwater, and what do they have you do the first week? So we get down there, and the first week is pretty much a mini camp, and they have us, um, you know, first we signed, and once we signed, you know, we took uh, BP stretch. They kind of we did a bunch of meetings. Kind of just uh, showing us the Phillies way and everything how they how they do things and um, towards the end of the week we started inter squatting and having some scrimmages so um, after that I was there for about five days and me and Seth Lancaster got sent up here so um, but those five days it was it was hot I'll tell you that down in Clearwater well last time I checked it's 96 degrees here in Williamsport and it's it's starting to feel like that up here now too yeah so you get up here and what's it been like to be in Williamsport it's been awesome the field well first thing when I get here is see the field and the field is a major league field so uh, it's it's a it's a great place to play and then um, opening or the first day that I was here the fans were great um, the weather was obviously a little bit cooler and it was really really nice to to be here uh, in comparison to Florida but um, it's been great the guys have been great uh, I've acclimated pretty well and I'm friends with a bunch of the guys and fitting in and everything like that so it's it's been good what's the been the, the biggest difference if you've seen any between being in a you were in a big-time program in Notre Dame right and now you're on a, a major league teams minor league tough what's, what's been the biggest change that you've seen or that you've had to deal with yeah so um the first thing for sure is you know you go from high school you're the guy you know and then you go to a college program and you're not the guy your freshman year and you you know a lot of the guys here work their way up work their way up to being the guy in college and then it's the same thing you come here and you're you got to work your way up to being a guy again so um just, you know, getting used to the way they do things, and um, every college is different. But definitely being here, one thing I've noticed as well is that they give you more freedom to do, to, to play your game, to 
for me, it's to use my speed more and, um, you know, just to play the game, uh, use my instincts more on the base pass and, and in the field. So it's been awesome having a little bit more freedom. Uh, our coach, Pat Borders, is is awesome. He lets us do our thing. So um, appreciate appreciate to him for that. But, uh, but it's been a lot of fun. What's it like to have a guy who was a former World Series MVP as your manager? Uh, it's awesome. He brings a lot of experience, brings a lot of, uh, you know, a wealth of knowledge to the team and just runs this place like, you know, like a professional would. And it's just been, it's been great to be around him. Does he, tell us the truth, does he walk around with the World Series ring? No, he Has doesn't. Has anyone seen he it? He doesn't. No, he, do, he doesn't. I haven't seen it either. Because he also, we're going to ask him about this, but he, he also was on the 93 team that crushed a lot of our Philadelphia fans. Hearts. Oh, he did? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, he doesn't. He doesn't walk around with that stuff. But um, yeah, he he's a pretty good dude. And um, whenever we need help from him or or whatever it may be, he's always there and he just lets us play our game. Now, this is not the first time that you've been drafted, correct? Right. You were drafted by the Cardinals at one point. I was. Which yeah. Which is kind of your hometown. Team. <laughs> yeah. So tell us what what the decision was not to. I mean, as a kid, you must have grown up pretending you were a Cardinal a lot. Yeah. And then the Cardinals draft you, and, and you made the decision to go to Notre Dame. What went into that decision? Well, um, just out of high school, I, I didn't think I was ready to, to do this, to, to be on my own and, um, you know, just be in a new environment. You know, every kid has those tough transitions going from high school to college or, you know, some kids go high school to pro ball. So um, for me, I, I just didn't think I was ready yet. And, um, you know, the college experience um, being at Notre Dame it, it's an awesome one it's it's a great one so uh, it was something I couldn't pass up the education there is is bar none one of the best in the country and um, you know the baseball program is really really good too and a great conference so uh, that was an opportunity I really couldn't pass up and I think teams knew that but the Cardinals ended up taking me and um, it, that was really cool all, all the people I know in St. Louis kind of freaked out over that and uh, you know being drafted by the Cardinals you grow up uh, loving them so uh, that was a great moment but um, I didn't think I was ready and just the college experience at Notre Dame was something I really wanted and prior to going to Notre Dame I heard that you also got to play with your brother I did yeah so wh what was it like to play with your brother uh, one of the best moments uh, one of the best seasons that I've ever had was playing with him I actually started playing shortstop my senior year of high school and he played second base so uh, that was really cool. We ended up winning the state championship. So um, it was awesome. You know, all the me and him here and there would get into it and practice and stuff like just like brothers would. And um, I don't know. It was just cool just being around him. We'd never played on the same team before. So finally getting to play with him was something special for me and really special for my family. Now, was your dad also a coach? No. No? Okay. He wasn't. No. You're smiling. Yeah, I say that. <laughs> I, I, smile, I smile because my dad – he had two brothers, and, like, growing up, they always fought and, you know, played together, and uh, they always talk about moments they shared together. So my brother and I finally getting to share a moment like that was uh, was pretty cool. So then when he brought up my dad, I thought about that. So, yeah, it was, it was fun. That's cool. So, so at some point, they're going to ask you, if they haven't asked you, what you want your walk-up to music to be. Yeah. Have I, you figured it out I, Yeah, I actually have. A walk-up song, yeah. Is it the Notre Dame fight song? No. What is no. it? It's The Way I Talk by Morgan Whalen. Okay. Country song. All yeah. right. Yeah. And what number did you ask for? 
If I asked for 24 because yeah. that's my number in college, but uh, Christian Marrero had it. He's our hitting coach, assistant coach. So uh, I took 28. Did, did yeah. he make a deal with you if you if you performed a certain way? Maybe he'd give you the number. I haven't I haven't been given that uh, that assurance <laughs> just yet. But you know, you never know. I, I probably won't. It's that's probably going to be his number the whole okay. season. Yeah. Now, now assuming that the season was over in time for the Michigan Notre Dame game, where are you going to be watching? Hopefully at Notre Dame. Yeah. Be at Notre Dame watching it. Yeah. Have that, you been to the game? Oh, to uh, a Notre Michigan Dame game? Notre Dame game. I haven't been to a Michigan Notre Dame game. Okay. They haven't played in. Past. It's been a couple of years, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Um, I believe the three years I were there, they never played. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, opening weekend, opening football weekend at Notre Dame is something special. So if I can make it back, especially for the Michigan Notre Dame game and that rivalry, that's something I'm. I mean, hoping that I can make it to, but I don't. I doubt I'll be able to because I'll be here. Now, what's the most number of games that you've played in the season? Um. Probably after my sophomore year of college, I played 56 games uh, for Notre Dame, then played another 44 for uh, the Harwich Mariners up in the Cape Cod League. So that's a little bit over 100 games, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because so. <laughs> one of the things that we've talked to people at other levels of the minor leagues this year, and we've gone back and talked to some of them, and they seem worn, worn down by this point. They're yeah. just not used to playing this number of games. So. Having played in the Cape Cod League, does that get you more prepared for the number of games you're going to be playing for the rest of the season? It does, yeah. Um, especially playing my after my freshman year, I played in the Northwoods League, and that Northwoods League season is is strenuous. It's 72 games in like 68 days, something crazy like that. And um, it's a grind, and it's probably the closest thing to minor league baseball that you can do while you're in while you're in college. I didn't make it through that whole that whole summer season but um it gave me a little taste of what it's going to be like so but just handling my body preparing you know every day to to be hydrated especially on days like this when it's scorching hot out and the phillies feed us great here eating the right stuff and um yeah just taking care of your bodies you know it's it, i'm sure at some point during the season i'm going to start feeling it but right now it's going pretty well well, thank you for joining us, Matt. We really do appreciate it, and we look forward to watching you as you move up to Lakewood, Clearwater, Redding, and Allentown. Yep, for sure. All Thanks right. for having me on. Good luck, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. Jeff, he, we've talked to a lot of players, uh, and there's a difference among them, we find, the one, mostly the ones that went to college and the ones that came directly into baseball uh, out of high school. First of all, to turn down your hometown team after they draft you. I Can mean, you imagine that? I mean, for, for kids that play a sport, they they dream of, of, you know, being a certain ball player on a certain team and and to have the maturity and, and probably the, the foundation of a family that says to you, you know what, you're not ready yet. I was going to say the self-awareness yeah. to be able to say, you know, it's not, well, they think I'm good enough. They drafted me. Right. It's well, I'm just not there yet, so I'm going to go home my craft and I'll have that chance again. I mean, you got to give it up to him for doing that. I enjoyed – you prepped really well for the interview, by the Thank way. I, for our listeners, I was not there. This was a Jeff Solo. Nice job. Thank you. Um, good job asking him about playing with his brother. Uh, I can't imagine having that much talent in one family to be able to play with my brother. Yeah, they, they had second base and shortstop. That's a good turn-two tandem yeah. right there. Um, what else stuck out? Uh, obviously, he likes the grass, too. Uh, 
He does. I'm, tell- <laughs> I'm telling you, it is a really nice feel. I got to get in the Gerard car and drive to Williamsport just Look, to see the grass. <laughs> as somebody who coached, you know, kids baseball, there there's nothing worse than playing on a bad, a bad field. field. When, when balls hop up into your face and into your chest and Look, stuff like that, and then you go to these fields and you're just like, wow. I remember when I was younger, the first couple times I went to the stadium, I just couldn't get over how big a field of grass it was that was just amazingly manicured. And I mean, you, you laugh at me because I'm oblivious to everything, but I pay attention to like the details of what they paint on the field. Mm-hmm. And like, I enjoy that. So I don't it, mind if you, you want to see an amazing field for a kid's field, go over to FDR Park. Okay. And there is a field over there that is kept by the Phillies. And it is gorgeous. Immaculate. Uh, immaculate. Uh, it just, from the sound of him, another player that, that seems to have good perspective on, on things in terms yeah. of working his way up. And, mm-hmm. and he understands how now he's got to do that again. And I guess that shows you sort of why he was promoted so quickly. Well, well, that uh, he, he was batting he, over 400. You're not going to be promoted if you're not right. ready physically to play. But at the same time, Mental having not talked matters. to him, having just just listening to his interview, you can hear a maturity about him that other players don't necessarily have. Yeah, he, he he's ready in both ways. And I think that the coaches that they have in their system know to look for those things, too. Yeah. And I think they're the kind of people that will do tough love when necessary and coddle or treat them differently when necessary. They're... They're really good managers that they have in their they, system. They, the system is very good. I can't wait to hear Pat Borders talk about ruining my childhood next week on the show <laughs> with that uh, that Joe Carter walk-off. But um, let's go. We've got another interview now from our, our trip to Reading. Yeah, so now we go from a, a high draft pick to a guy who wasn't drafted at all, who's a local guy, who found his way through baseball just because he loved it to now possibly being on the cusp of a big league career. Here is our interview with Jeff Singer from the Reading Phils. So we're here right now with Jeff Singer in his, I guess this is your second day in Reading. How you doing? I'm good. I'm uh, happy to be back in the Northeast. Uh, missing the food, missing the way everyone talks too. So, <laughs> you know, it's fun to be back up here. So you're originally a Jersey boy, right? Yeah, I was uh, born in Philly, lived there for a few years, and then moved over to Jersey. Okay. Delran? Uh, Cinnamons in New Jersey, okay. which is right next to Delran. Okay, so um, tell, tell us about how you um, got to um, to uh, Camden. With the, uh, the River, River Sharks. Sharks. Yeah. So um, after college, you know, I wasn't drafted, so I was working at the dealership. My dad's the used car manager there in uh, Dumpy Ford in Philadelphia. So I was working there, and I was actually playing in the Rancocas Valley League, which is a men's league, and I was playing with a few guys that – I'd play with growing up and then a few older guys that had some uh, affiliate baseball, which was pretty cool. But uh, kind of just playing there and just seeing what could happen and uh, ended up getting a call that the River Sharks needed. Basically a pitcher just to come and eat up innings. Um, Ryan Kulik was a pitcher that uh, got hurt for them and he ended up becoming the pitching coach. And I uh, know Ryan through a few mutual people and me and him had the same agent. So I got to go down there and work with him and uh, he really helped me when I was with the River Sharks. So you were with the River Sharks for one season, right? I was with them for the last two months of their season, yeah. Okay. And, and so after the season, I hear that there was a, a tri- an open tryout that you yeah, attended. I went to an open trial in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Um, it was the Yankees, Orioles, and Red Sox were there and I uh, 
was the only lefty there. So they said the lefties go first, and I was the only one there. So I went first, <laughs> and I faced three guys, and they said I hit 95, and I'm pretty sure that was the first time I ever hit 95. So it was cool to hear that and uh, got to talk to the Yankee scout for a while. And he seemed showed interest, which was pretty cool, having a professional scout show interest in me, which hasn't hasn't happened to me yet during that time. How did, how did you find your way to that open tryout? Was you just saw a listing, or did your um, agent tell you about my it? My advisor at the time, now agent, uh, told me about it, said uh, made a few calls. There's a tryout up in Bridgeport, Connecticut. So me and my dad left the day before, stayed in the hotel, and then ended up going. And you only got to throw three pitches? No, I threw oh, okay. the three hitters. Okay. Um, I struck three guys. I faced three hitters, struck them out, and uh, they said I hit 95, which was pretty cool. So despite the fact that the Yankees, the Orioles, and the Red Sox are there, somehow you ended up with the Phillies. Yes. How'd that happen? Um, the Yankees were showing a lot of interest. Um, my agent was talking to a Philly scout, Roland George, and uh, pretty sure he basically told me, he was like, if we don't sign this kid now, the Yankees will, and I was lucky to get a contract with the Phillies. Having grown up in the Philadelphia area, did you grow up as a Phillies fan? Yes, Philly, everything, Eagles, Sixers, Flyers, Phillies, even Union and back when the kicks were a team. So, so, so when, you're, when your uh, agent, your now agent, brings you a contract with the Phillies name on, what, what was it like? It was a dream come true. Um, you know, it's, it's a, I feel it's a dream for any kid playing baseball to make it to the big leagues or make it to minor league baseball and just keep playing the game after college. And uh, to be with the team that I grew up watching, it's been really cool lately. Did you think – now, you didn't get drafted, right? No. When you didn't get drafted out of college, you played at Rutgers Camden, right? I played at Rutgers Camden right. and then in the draft, and I wasn't drafted. Yeah, so, so when you're not drafted, what made you continue to play baseball? It's just the love of the game. You know, baseball, I just enjoy playing it. Um, I feel it's I feel most comfortable sometimes when I'm on the mound or when I'm just hanging out in the bullpen. You know, it's the most fun I have sometimes. So um, I knew I had a – I just wanted to keep on playing and – if I was just going to play in the Rancocas Valley the rest of my career, then so be it. My dad still plays baseball, and he's playing in a – he's 55, and he's still playing baseball. And just the way he plays, you know, I just – I wouldn't mind be doing that for the rest of my life. wouldn't sign him? No, I don't think they would. <laughs> Given the different path you've taken, you know, we, we talked to different players. Some of them are drafted out of high school. Some of them are drafted out of college. You took a different path. You weren't drafted. You have some work experience does that give you a different outlook and appreciation for, for being here with everything else you've had to do to get to this point? I know everyone that here that is here deserves to be here. Um, everyone works hard. Um, I just like to think about it as don't take anything for granted. Um, just take it day by day. And uh, our manager in uh, Clearwater always said, play today like it could be your last game playing baseball. So that's the mentality I decided to take this year, I feel being sent back down to Clearwater. So um, I'm just trying to have as much fun as possible and uh, trying to do whatever I can to help the team win. We're obviously here on a nice sunny afternoon. Last night was your first time pitching. Had a good night. What did it feel like to, to have that good outing and your first chance uh, up here? It felt great. I was uh, happy to get out there and uh, get a chance to pitch. Um, you know, with the bullpen and pitching staff we have you never know when it's gonna be your turn to pitch so you always gotta be ready and uh i was just happy i was able to get my feet wet and come back to reading and show what i can do when did you actually physically fly up here i flew up here the second day we played trenton so 
three days ago. So you actually had a little bit of chance to adjust. They didn't just you didn't fly up and then put on your uniform and get in. No, I yeah. flew uh, flew to Philly and then I went to Trenton for the two days and then came here. Is there some now? Now things seem to be working for you. Now, now you've moved up from back from Clearwater. Now you're back to Reading. What's clicked for you? I think it was just uh, getting to know myself more as a pitcher. Um, getting used to a routine. Getting used to the way uh, I got to approach the game and just staying within myself and knowing what I'm good at and knowing what I'm not good at in the game of baseball. And what's your favorite pitch to throw so far? Fastball. Okay. Second. Slider. Third. Change up. Okay. Trying to bring the curveball back, see how it's going. <laughs> <laughs> what's it like we're sitting here in the basically right along the field? look out and know that you get to come now and and play in this beautiful stadium stadium every day and you know people want your autograph as opposed to you're standing on the outside doing something else it's great it's uh seriously a dream come true knowing that i get to put the uniform on every day and get to compete and hang out with some of my best friends and just play the game of baseball every day we appreciate it wait, jeff wait, you wait. no no oh, no, you, no, what, no. hold on so I hear you have a, a different favorite baseball player than a lot of guys. Randy Wolf. Yep. Yeah. Were you part of the Wolf Pack as a kid? I wasn't part of the Wolf Pack, <laughs> but I always enjoyed seeing them up in the nosebleeds with the masks on, and I always found it really funny, and it just seemed like a fun crowd to be around. And, and he's a left-handed pitcher, He's a lefty, right? and he was a bulldog on the mound, and he came at, me, came at you with everything he got. So have I you really ever had a chance to meet him? Never got to meet him. Okay, so when you got to the Phillies, the Phillies organization, who was the first guy you wanted to meet? I'd say Charlie Manuel. Really? Um, yeah, it was, uh, I got to say, like, it's cool walking by him and you just say, like, be like, hey, how's it going, Charlie? And he'll say, like, what's up, saying, or just how's it going? And it's pretty cool just. For him to know your name? Yeah, uh -huh. like stuff like that. And uh, But, yeah, definitely meeting Charlie Manuel was cool. I got to meet uh, Chase Utley when I was in the fall league. Um, seeing Larry Boa around, you know. Um, my first year I got to see Juan Samuel around. Um it's just cool seeing those guys and like I've been hearing my dad tell stories about those guys or I've been watching those guys on TV for 10, 15 years. So it's been pretty cool just seeing them walk around. Uh, got to meet Reggie Jackson when I was in the fall league, which was really wow. cool. So it's been uh, been wild for two, three years. So has any pitcher from the Phillies given you a piece of advice that's really come in handy for you? Uh, Roy Halladay really helped me. Yeah. Um, last year when I was down at Clearwater, we would have meetings with him, and he oh, would just he give me really team. good insight on how to prepare myself mentally before the game, give us uh, the mental ABCs of baseball book, and then he just just talking with the guy and just talking baseball or even just talking life with him. You know, he was a really great guy to talk to, and uh, I actually got the chance to help uh, coach his team, when he, his 12U team with his son, when I was working in the co-op program last year, and I got to work with them a little bit this year, which was pretty cool. So when, when you make it, to Citizens Bank Park. What's going to be the music that you come into? I think I'm going to stick with uh, Dream On by Aerosmith, and it's going to be the Sing With uh, sing with Me part. Just keep on saying sing. And what number do you want? Whatever number they give me. <laughs> I'll take any number. Well, Jeff, thanks yeah. for joining you. We can't wait yeah. to follow you. Thanks Thank so you. I time. appreciate it. Thanks a lot. I enjoyed the interview with him. I enjoyed the impact that Roy Halliday's had on a lot of these players. Tell me how he's playing right now before we wrap up. He's been in 11 games since we were there. 
A 1.04 ERA, 17 innings pitched, 19 strikeouts, and a whip of .98 and four saves. We'll talk, That's pretty good We'll talk more about it next week, and we'll have our interview with Pat Borders, the manager for Williamsport. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.